And welcome to Gleaming to the Geek, the payroll and free agent edition. We thought it was just going to be the free agent edition, the free free agent edition, but now it's the payroll and free agent edition, yeah. Mr. Gleaming of The Athletic. Who are you? I am John Bonus of Twins Daily. I've been wanting to meet you. That's yeah. nice that you showed up. Yeah. Um, I've got a good story on the payroll on Twins Daily today. I read it this morning. <laughs> I read it. Because I support John's writing work. That's I'm like right. John with my writing yeah, work. Right. <laughs> I, we were planning... so. On the Patreon podcast, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman, we, we use that for a lot of things, but one of the main ones is just like deeper dives. And we've done the past two shows. Right. One, we did an entire show about free agent starting pitchers, and then we did an entire show about free agent hitters. Right. Could com- make com- sense com- for the twins. Combined to that is three hours worth of yes, it's deep literally dives into three what, and a half hours. 45, 50. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Free agent targets. And we spent a lot of time talking about center fielders and right. right-handed bats right. and starting pitchers and sort of uh, bench players, that sort of thing. What what the areas of either weakness for the Twins or just kind of what they would prioritize having to fill this offseason. We're going to talk a little bit. Our plan, at least, for this show, as of was to try 24 summar- hours to ago, try and summarize was that. to kind of <laughs> take those three hours of right. in-depth player-by-player scouting reports and all that Mm -hmm. stuff and our opinions on each one and, you know, fit it into a half hour, maybe (laughs) a little more than that. But, you know, and if you want more, they're available, by the way, for free. The entire archive on Patreon is free to anybody who signs up. You just sign up and you start paying a dollar an episode going forward and you get all the archives for absolutely free. But then last night, uh, Dan Hayes was and Bobby Nightingale, who was just on the show as a guest, were in uh, Arizona for what are called the general managers meet the GM meetings, right. which is uh, sort of always at the beginning of the offseason, and it really is more of like people inside baseball. There's some media that cover it, those two, for right, instance, yeah. but it's different than the winter meetings, which is more of like a media event right. where there are actual like press conference and stuff. This is just all the front office guys are in one spot, so some media members show up to interview them. So Dan, I just read his article about it, kind of confirmed – and got some quotes from Derek Falvey. Something on, that we had hinted about in the Patreon yeah, I mean, a few days ago. This has been, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. And also just has been uh, discussed for mm-hmm. several months, really, the past year, once the local television chaos started with Bally Sports and Diamond Sports Group and all that. And the Twins deal was expiring and there was bankruptcy by the, the, the broadcaster's end and all that. And... We've been speculating now since the season ended, certainly a lot, about what they were making $55 million a year from Bally Sports to broadcast their games locally. That contract is up, and even if it weren't up, there's a bankruptcy involved that would make (laughs) the likelihood of them receiving $55 million in 2024. A bankruptcy with the television network. Yes, yes. not the Twins. (laughs) Uh, highly unlikely. And so what we've tried to speculate when we've talked payroll and free agency and roster decisions, which, you know, there's been a few of those, which we're going to get to too, is well, what type of impact will that have? And it's difficult to, you know, kind of get a grasp on it because it's like, well, they're not going to make 55 million from TV, but are they going to make 40 
20? Right. Zero? What's the... Well, right. They don't know, and yeah. so we certainly And how much know. of it are they going to cut? Because one of the things we talked right. about in the off-season handbook, Twins Daily's off-season handbook, I wrote, you know, not only is... Uh, the default assumption is that generally fifty, a little over fifty percent of revenues end up go to go to the opening day right. payroll, right? And so, if you're losing fifty-five million dollars, well, that means the payroll could condemn like thirty million dollars. But it's even actually worse than that. Is that it's a lot easier to cut twenty-five million dollars from opening day payroll than it is to cut twenty-five million dollars from the rest of your organization, <laughs> you know, for that re- for the rest of that, right? So if you if you take care of thirty off of the opening day payroll and you decide, you know what? I don't know where I'm cutting twenty five million dollars out of jobs that for people that are right. making fifty to eighty thousand dollars a year. I don't know how I'm cutting twenty five million from that. Right? It's a lot easier to just say, well, how about we not sign that free agent, or how about we trade away, you know, two of these guys, right? right? And see what we can get back in prospects. So, so the question was, is it wasn't just maybe thirty million was at stake? It was maybe whole fifty five million. Like there was some. Well, amount yeah, that but was that's at not stake. that's right. not why it's a fifty percent figure. It's not that they're spending the other fifty percent on. Uh, $80,000 employees a year, it's that they're taking some of well, that Well, maybe some of that is profit. You are correct. Yes, right. or yes, operating right. whatever right. capital. Absolutely. Right. Uh, but I get what you're saying. I think that's true. But, you know, realistically, our hope, I think, that we kind of expressed was we would like to – this is a very legit uh, worry or just a logical Impact. reason why the <laughs> right. payroll would go down. Right. If you're – let's say they end up signing – and I would view this as somewhat optimistic at this point, a, a deal that gets them $30 million a year right? or, or at least for next year. And I, again, I think that would be a good outcome for them at this stage of the game. Right. Well, you've lost $25 million in revenue. You right. would expect that to equal somewhere between 10 and $15 million in dropped payroll. Right. That's pretty straightforward. I know no one wants to hear that, but right. that's just just math there basically. The argument we made, or at least I made, I think you mostly agreed over the last several weeks was even if that's the case, I felt – and look, it's easy to spend other people's money. <laughs> right, it's yes, very easy right. to spend a billionaire's other people's money. <laughs> right, yes. But to me, given the – where this fan morale or season ticket base or however you want to view it or was – the competitive window. Yes, but where it was right. three to four years ago. Right. Uh, or four or five years ago, I guess. Right. And where it is right now today, or at least yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, coming off the first playoff victory in 20 years, first playoff series victory in 20-plus years, uh, I think the second half brought back some fans who had kind of checked out. I think the playoffs were a lot of fun. All that stuff. We, I mean, we see it right. in our yes. numbers. Right. There was value beyond just kind of the X's and O's here in saying, yes, we have $25 million, let's say, in, in less revenue. Instead of dropping the payroll by a amount that will kind of cancel that or wipe that slate clean, what if we just take a $15 million loss beyond what we are planning right. for this year? And again, it's easy to spend other people's money, but I will say that $15 million or even $25 million is less than 1% of the net worth of the people running the Twins, the Polet family. And the Twins are not their biggest business. The Twins are not their biggest source of revenue. Sure. And within that, the Twins themselves, the entity that is the Minnesota Twins, which Carl Polad, uh, now the grandfather of the people in charge now, right, yes, essentially, right. um, purchased for under $50 million in the 80s, is now realistically probably worth $2 billion. Sure. Um, and so 
to take a $20 million loss in one year or even every year when the asset is appreciating by that extent. Now, now I, there's I, different between an asset appreciating and liquid capital, <laughs> yes, but I will right. say this. They have plenty of liquid capital to deal with a 15 or $20 million outlay beyond what they were hoping, even if they, it's almost guaranteed to put them further into the red. I, I think people don't quite – like take your phone out and try to calculate <laughs> what percentage of a billion dollars $20 million is. Your phone's going to give you a real weird answer because right, yeah. there's not even that many characters on there. <laughs> and so I, th- I think – those are all factors, and I mention them at the top here because I absolutely think that is where anybody who hears about a lowering payroll and revenue and this entire situation, that is, and I would say rightfully, where an average Twins fan mind should and will go. But I think that's almost I, – I honestly, I, I honestly think that is um, deeper than most Twins well, fans yeah, might I mean, will go because here's what I think where Twins fans might – yeah, they've been like this for sixty years. It's the same old thing. Well, it There's is. No re- yeah, I mean, no, that's what I'm saying. That's, my, yes. my, one of my points in the day story is this has been the cheapness of the owner for the Minnesota right. Twins has been the number one most single damaging narrative throughout the history of this franchise going on sixty plus years. Yeah. It is the one thing through ownership you, groups. Right. By the way, it is the one cross thing, ownership. Right, yeah, cross ownership groups. Sixty years, right, yeah. uh, and multiple management groups. Yeah, it is the one thing. Uh, honestly, I don't know if even if you did overspend for years, sure. right, uh, that is uh, going to be attached to this franchise regardless. But in a off season where you are trying to market your team. As a you on know, the rise, on the, on the rise, and, and broke and, the curse, right. all and, this and, stuff, and in a competitive cycle in which you often overinvest during this part right. of a competitive cycle, you underinvest when you're going to be crappy. Which, either by way. the way, they did right. Yeah, they <laughs> wildly underinvested in the team for almost half a decade. Right, exactly right. Uh, I I don't think that there is going to be a deeper thought press. It's just going to be same old twins and shut down. Right, and and. and and turn the power off. Right. And, and they're doing that just as, you know, things were about to heat yes, up. Yes, you're cutting yourself off at the knees. Ugh. And so I get all that. Right. And so that's kind of why I feel like, and again, it's easy to spend someone else's money. But right. what we're talking about here is the equivalent of, you know, a normal person spending a couple of thousand dollars, basically. And I know that they'll tell you, and I'm sure I'll hear from Twins officials on this. You know, anytime we talk payroll, we hear from them. Uh, I think they are missing. So anyway, D- Dan Hayes reported, got some quotes from Derek Falvey, but also did some digging beyond Derek Falvey and reported that the expectation is that the Twins payroll will definitely be dropping in 2024. Right. It was roughly $155 million, uh this past season. And the expectation, it sounds like, is that it could be as low as 125 and kind of as high as 140 Right. That's a lot. I mean, that is a big drop off. That yes. is a drop off of ten percent minimally, and basically twenty percent. And and really, the key to why that's such a big drop off. When we say a big drop off, is that just taking a look at sort of their default easy decisions on sort of if they just uh, kind of ran it if back. They, if they ran it back and just brought back all the guys that are absolute bargains. Yes, not right? Sonny Gray right. or even Mike Taylor. Money, right? Yeah, the, just the guys that are absolute bargains. Yes. 
Well, you write about 115, 120 million, right? right? So really what you're talking about is the difference in being able to spend, well, you thought you were going to be able to spend maybe 35 to 40 million dollars on that, maybe maybe 50 million dollars on and that. potentially uh, not being able to spend and, and, at all. You're now be able to spend 5 to right, which is 5 to nothing. 20, right? The argument I make within that is so you're, you're spending you get about a third as much room to spend as you did before. I get on a just straight up, you know, profit and loss spreadsheet. If you're losing $30 million in revenue, you would drop your payroll by 50% of that. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. But the argument I would make and have made for them kind of anticipating this, because this shouldn't have snuck up on anybody right. who's been listening to the show or just reading whatever, is that the the value of keeping fan morale high, keeping even beyond that, just sort of keeping this this train rolling off a very good second half that I think was encouraging in ways that no season has yeah. been in in 20 years is worth millions of dollars in itself. And I think even beyond that, simply keeping the payroll, you could almost make make it obvious to people and say, look, this is the situation. Our numbers dictate that we should be dropping the payroll right. by 20 million. Right. Guess what? We're not doing that. We're putting in another twenty million. We know we're going to take a loss. This is going to hurt our bottom line. Guess what? We believe in this team. We believe in the momentum. We love the fans who come back to Target Field. You could play it up as a positive thing right. instead of what yep. will now Absolutely. bring this entire thing to right. a screeching halt from a fan morale standpoint. And I, I, to me, okay, you're saving fifteen or twenty million dollars. How much are you losing long term? Because this is not a one year thing. Like you said, it's a 60-year thing that you've made some tiny incremental progress on kind of convincing right. some people yes. that could be different. Because they have spent yes. uh, quite a bit relative to the previous 55 this years. This management team, the Falvey management, if you haven't been paying attention for the last five years, the Falvey management team has been bold. Right. You know, they have gone out and they have traded big time prospects but, for big time players. They have signed Carlos Correa to the biggest. Right. But that has made only a right. small dent in the right. perception that right. was created rightfully right. over the past five to six decades. And so to kind of uh, go back to that and wipe away all, any of that incremental progress and right. just put it back into the oh, cheap poll ads, all this stuff. It becomes hard to defend. Yeah. Or I, I don't even want to say defend, to sort of rationalize or explain. Right. Because ultimately, if this is what happens, and it certainly sounds like right. that's their plan, I don't doubt Dan Hayes' reporting, yeah, heard, Bobby Nightingale. We, we, we heard the same thing. Yes, we, we talked yes, about it on right. the last show. Right. Um, and, it, you know, you could see this coming. Like, right. you know, we didn't know how. We thought we specifically asked. I specifically asked yes. a couple of pointed questions Three weeks about ago payroll or it was. to Falvey uh, back then, and he was his answers were not as optimistic as they had been in the past right. about what his expectations were. And so How about that? If they were to ask me, and they shouldn't or won't, but I would say to them, think long and hard about. I don't think they need to ask you. Pennywise, yeah, well, you can. They're listening. Hi, everybody. Uh, hi, guys. John put me up to this. He's the troublemaker. That's right. But. I would think long and hard about the old Pennywise pound foolish idea, which is you th you're saving, quote unquote, $20 million this year if you drop the payroll from 155 to 135, right. let's say. But I, I feel pretty strongly that you are at minimum eating through most of that savings in sort of big picture lost fan interest future and revenue, yeah. future revenue. And I think there's a pretty decent case that you're going to end up losing mo much more than the 20 million over the course of the next five to 10 or 60 years yeah. just to halt this momentum. Now, look, if they just, 
put a $135 million team on the field next year and they win the division title and they make a playoff run, nobody's going to care yeah, how I, much it that costs. That is part of the temptation. Right? But part of the temptation is they've got a very solid team already right, in place. Which the AL Central about. is really, really bad. And as a result, they could spend $125 million. They could actually uh, cut payroll further than that. They will still be the favorite team in the right. eight to win they the AL Central They have a lot Central of young, cheap players right. who have emerged. Royce Lewis, right. Walner, Julian, exactly on right. and on. Right. They have some bargain guys. They they have the flexibility. They, they, have, a, they, they, have, some, they have some payroll situations coming up the next year. Right. right? We, we, the things are going to get much more expensive in 2025. Uh, but you that's know. you can also view that. The opposite way, which I agree with what you're saying, is that this roster specifically is built in a way that makes cutting $20 million in payroll more feasible or more palatable. Less painful than it would normally be. For all of those same reasons, the division is winnable. You have momentum. You got young players who are cheap. You can make the exact yeah. opposite argument, which was this is when you put pedal yeah, to the metal exactly and put right. more money in. Right. Yeah. And so I think. Well, I mean, you take a look at the Texas Rangers. Take a look at the Philadelphia right. Phillies. That is what they did. What they did is they saw a couple of good players coming up through the ranks. And they said, here's when we start investing $30 million a year into some players. Right. right? And that is where the Texas, Ra- Texas Rangers two years ago were absolutely brutal. Right, last and, year and, they were brutal. Right, and two years, way. two years ago they were really brutal. But they were like, we've got a whole bunch of prospects that are ready to be here, and they went out and signed Simeon and uh, Seager. Yeah, right. Like, so the, it's fans have every right to be disappointed by this news. I don't think it should shock anybody who's been paying attention. But that doesn't mean you can't be disappointed or frustrated or angry or whatever. I think certainly the twins know what the reaction is going to be. Uh, I don't know that they know the extent of it. No. And I, that's by my feeling about them in general, which yes. is they, they're they not, you know. They, they seem frustrated that that narrative seems to override everything. Right. And uh, just so we're clear, that that narrative is overplayed. Like it absolutely is an overplayed narrative. Right, but but it's also a cliche. A cliche is a cliche because for a reason. You can't put one piece of meat in the, the shark tank and not expect the shark's to go nuts for it. Do you know <laughs> right, what I'm yeah, saying? Exactly right, yeah. You have to go meatless. <laughs> this is my worst analogy ever. But you know what I'm saying? They would claim we've spent more. We've made big signings like you just described. We've, and that narrative is still around. Yeah. Right. It, yeah that narrative has only changed 2% or right, whatever yes, it is. Right. And I, I sympathize with that because I do think the narrative should have changed slightly more. Yes. But here's honestly, you can't. Have, you can't give an inch on this narrative <laughs> no, because right. if you give an inch on this narrative, if you throw one bit of chum right. into the water, the piranhas or the sharks or whatever go nuts for it. And rightly so because they've been waiting for that meat and it's been delivered on an <laughs> annual basis for five decades. Yeah, exactly right, like, yes. And so for the twins to say, hey, we never really got full credit for spending more. Well, first of all, their spending more was just average spending in the right, first place. Uh, but I do agree with that to some extent. We're, but we're, you we're, can't do that for three years and then drop payroll after your most successful season in 20 years and not expect the reaction to be what you've just listened to for right. the last 15 minutes or whatever or worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to get a lot and worse. So, uh, w- what it means beyond – you know, we've talked a lot about feelings here and, uh, you know, frustration and, you know, <laughs> fan morale and all that stuff. The more, to me – Next step is well. What is the tangible outcome of this, or what are the what does this actually mean in terms of the team on the field or the roster being constructed? And unfortunately, we started this whole diatribe 
by saying we plan to kind of go over free agents and we've been doing that, but this really throws a massive amount of yeah, cold water. N- n- now that yeah, now that co- conversation is going to be tilted in an entirely different right. way. It's not that they're not going to go after these free agents, but it's that the level of free agents which they're going to be going after is going to be totally different than what we right. That, well, and not totally different, but it'll more be, depressing. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I mean, I, it's, honestly, when it comes to free agents starting pitchers, did we think they were? How much did we think they were really good to invest? No, anyway? but again, this this right. reinforces the stereotypes or the kind of fallback position of frustrated fans, which is they just go bargain hunting, they get the scrap heap pitchers, the scratch and dent store, and all that, and now they've put themselves in a position. It's self imposed. Yes. Um, whether it's logical from a profit and loss standpoint or not, where that's literally what they're going to be doing. Now, there could be some trades, we're going to talk about that in a moment, that free up $10 million or $20 million that could then be invested. But again, that money's – they're so up against what their self-imposed limits are now right. that even freeing up $10 million doesn't mean they can go sign somebody for $20 million. It right. just means they can put a roster in place and not have to shed beyond that. And right. so I think – it's a it's a big game hunting that we have seen this front office like to do over the yes. last few years. Correa, Donaldson, attempts for Wheeler and Darvish, that right. sort of thing. I mean, that's just out the window now. Right. There's no possibility for that unless they just really pull a rabbit uh, out of their head. I'm talking sharks, rabbits so yeah. far. What a else? A lot of can meat I? talk today. Yeah. A lot of live animal talk today. Yeah, you know me. I love hunting and <laughs> killing animals. That's my thing. Before we get into some other news, let's cover a couple of sponsors that's that a don't great involve segue. killing animals. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of where Soda Stick, Soda Stick has any uh, things about killing animals. I, no. They have some things got, about they, gophers they and have, wolves. And they might have some hunting uh, stuff sure. out there. I don't know. You never know with Soda Stick what you're going to get because you go out there and it's all limited run, limited batch stuff. I'll give you some examples. Uh, they have this great little ugly holiday sweater thing going that apparently just uh, closed yesterday, I think, or the day before. You're not going to be able to get it. It was like a Mick Golden Light holiday sweater, and uh, you you can't get that now, I don't think. But if you, you were you, on their email you, list. You can go out there and see. Yeah, yeah. if you get get on their email list so you know that stuff is available. Uh, they also just kicked out a, a Minnesota Wild Locker Room Collection collab, which uh, officially kicked off this week their first shirt, the Deweys. They're available at the Hockey Lodge, but if you go to sodastickco.com, you'll see them and be redirected to them. Uh, two more are dropping before Christmas, so keep an eye out for the for more fun ones like that we talk about like the uh, tony oliva hitting school right the uh, i got blown out of the metrodome they, <laughs> they do a lot of fun creative well designed and by the way good quality shirts the, we, we've right. worn these shirts yes yes uh, oh yeah and it's good quality what i always say is go to sodastickco.com soda like minnesota or just google soda stick and i i defy you to look over their products and not want to wear at least one yes. of them. And when you do that, you can, uh, if you want to purchase something, which you're going to want to, especially for like holidays and stuff, use the promo code Gleeman and you're going to get 15% off your order. Gleeman, 50% off at sodastickco.com. Uh, next sponsor is HelloFresh, which uh, you may have seen John posting his very Instagram and Twitterable uh, photos of these meals that here, he's here, making with Chrissy. Here's one of my favorite things to do, Aaron Gleeman. Yeah. We are uh, leaving town this afternoon or for uh, two weeks. Yeah. Uh, two weeks from uh, the day after we get back, I have got uh, a order from uh, HelloFresh scheduled to being arrive. delivered yep. that very next day, so that we don't have to scramble and run to the grocery store and figure out a bunch of stuff. 
it's just going to show up there and all it has all the ingredients, has all the instructions, has the stuff, the frozen stuff frozen, etc. Yes. And it makes you know great meals that are like you said, Instagrammable yeah. as well, like even more. When Instagram- you do them like John, I've also made them. They don't look quite as good. They still look better than anything I could make on That's my right. own. And it's actually like it's a fun thing to do, a fun way to spend time yes. when you're back. Everything's it's, all prepped it's for fresh, you. Fresh portioned out ingredients that arrive right at your door. Whether you you and you can customize it if you got kids, they have kid friendly. If you're a vegetarian, right. or if you love meat, they, we, you can we got the meat and veggies options. Okay, <laughs> and if you go to hellofresh.com/slash/gleeman-free and use the code gleeman-free, you get free breakfast for life. Whoa. One breakfast item per box for however long your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com <laughs> slash Gleeman Free with I the code Gleeman tried, Free. I have not tried their breakfasts. For life. What if I live like 500 years? I probably am. You look at me. I look like My I'm breakfast pretty... is an apple. Yeah. Well, they'll give you one of those. I bet this is going to be better. <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, so America's number one meal kit. Go to hellofresh.com slash Gleeman Free. And use the promo code Gleeman Free. You'll get free breakfast for life for however long your subscription. My goodness. Life. Okay. So <laughs> just to wrap up newsy stuff, they also, uh, since we last spoke on the free show, again, this we cover this stuff kind of in the moment and in more right, depth yes. on the Patreon. We would love for you to join us, patreon.com slash Gleeman. Uh, they, the no-brainer pickups of the Jorge Polanco and Max Kepler options were indeed no-brainers. That adds $20.5 million to the yeah. payroll. Yeah. One of the things we talked about in the last Patreon episode is where those guys rank compared to the rest of the free agent market yes. at their respective, respective positions. Very near the top which at each at second base and corner right. outfield, which is you know partly why they have yeah. some trade value. We can get into that in a moment. And then yesterday they officially made the uh, – or two days ago, officially made the qualifying offer to Sonny Gray. Again, yep. as expected, that's a one-year $20.325 million deal which Sonny Gray has until November 14th to reject or accept. He will, of course, reject it, uh, at which point he's just a straight-up free agent. The Twins are free to negotiate with him. If slash when he signs elsewhere, they would get a late first-round pick as compensation. Now, it was unlikely that they were going to pay the Piper to re-sign him at three right. years, 70-something million, let's say, or whatever. Uh, now, with the payroll, the, yeah. given what we know about their likely payroll dropping, that's I would feel like that's not even a reasonable uh, option. I would suggest he is the lowest of the free agents to ex- to be offered a qualifying offer. Like of the f- people, there are only like uh, half a dozen there or so. Seven, there were yeah. seven who got yeah. that, and of them, I would say he's the one that is is going to get paid the least on the free agent market. Would you agree with me? Uh, Let's when I see. took a look at that list, that's what I thought. Maybe. I, I don't remember the I mean, it's, it's Shohei Otani, Cody right. Bellinger, right. Aaron Nola, right. Blake Snell, Josh Hader, Matt Chapman, and then Sonny Gray. In terms of where I ranked them, um, when I did for The Athletic, I did top 40. Uh, I had Gray ahead of Hader, Hader. who's a reliever, yeah, I suppose that's and true. Matt Chapman, who I'm just not real high on yeah. in terms of how okay. he'll age. But it wouldn't shock me. They're both younger than Sonny Gray by yes. three years, I think. So, yeah, just because of that wouldn't shock me. I think he'll get more per year than yes, Josh I Hader, agree. probably. I agree. But, yeah, I mean, he's sixth or seventh out of seven. Uh, he'll reject it. You know, we'll see. Well, if he accepts it, that would be do something to their payroll situation. <laughs> well, yeah. Him accepting it as of 24 hours ago, I would have said that would be that's a best-case scenario for them. They pay <laughs> right. basically 
market rate or maybe even a little lower. I mean, that, on immediately only they're at one thirty-five. Yeah, I mean, you would you would, you would still take that. You <laughs> yeah, could trade yeah, for sure. some things to for make sure. that happen, obviously. But uh, and then beyond those three things, which were all three expected, they added uh, two players to the forty-man roster ahead of the November fourteenth deadline to add players to protect them from the Rule Five draft. And so, Junior Severino, who's a switch hitting first base, third baseman who led all of minor league baseball with 35 homers this year. And then uh, Jair Camargo, who is a uh, power-hitting, good-throwing catcher who ended the year at AAA, were both added. Emmanuel Rodriguez and Austin Martin and several other more prominent prospects were not added, but that doesn't mean they won't be added. That just means they still have until November 14th to add those guys. The reason that Camargo and Severino were added a week earlier than, let's say, Emmanuel Rodriguez, because he will be added to the 40-man roster, is because those two were, in addition to needing protection from the Rule 5 draft, they were minor league free free agents. agents. And so if they weren't added to the 40-man roster, they would have become free agents like today. after the World Series. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, right. And even if they were re-signed, like, for instance, last year, Camargo was also a minor league free agent, right. and the Twins just re-signed him to a traditional minor league contract. Right. That then makes him eligible for the Rule 5 draft, but he wasn't chosen in the Rule 5 draft. Right. Well, this time around, if you were to somehow talk him into just accepting a straight-up minor league contract, right. he's coming off a very good year at AAA. Right. There's no doubt in my mind that a team would have selected him as just a backup he's catcher. He's clearly the third depth chart person yes. behind I mean, Jeffers just ideal, and... Backup catcher, yeah, major league right, ready. He right, would have been taken right, in the Rule 5 right. draft. So this kills two birds with one stone. Adding him to the 40-man roster stops them from becoming minor league free agents, and then it also protects them from the Rule 5 draft. Between now and November 14th, you will also see at least two and possibly three or four more prospects added, Emmanuel Rodriguez and Austin Martin being the two right. like, no-brainers no right. on that front. Um, I'm a little surprised. I'm, I'll say it. I'm a little surprised Severino was added. I had heard... A few weeks ago, that they were thinking well, about Severino not being two added. different. He's already been not added. Right, I and know, undrafted in the Rule Five. Well, now he's coming off an awesome, uh, unbelievable year. year. I, I was surprised two weeks ago when I heard that they probably weren't going to protect him. Here's, and now, so now I'm surprised that I. Here's what else I'll say: He's a switch hitting, power hitting, you know, strikeout, high strikeout, low batting average. Yeah. Uh, well, he's played second and third, but most likely a first baseman. Um. You know, if you're dropping payroll by $20 million, yeah, that's true. it's a lot easier to turn center field to Austin Martin yeah. or yep. the platoon with Alex Kirloff at first base over to Junior Severino or try to trade, let's say, Christian Vasquez and make Camargo the backup catcher. All those things save yeah, 5 to $10 million each <laughs> yep. by kind of turning it over to the young players. Now you don't have as much depth in that case, yes. which was so huge for them and such a priority this season. But I think you know that plays a part in it too, which is are we going to re-sign Donovan Solano or a Donovan Solano-like right-handed bat? Well, we could, but that might cost $4 million or $6 right. million. Could Severino fill that job for the league minimum and save us 4 or $6 million? That I think is, is part of it too. I also just think... Does he profile as a great hitter? No, he strikes out a lot. He's not much of a defender. If you're 24 years old or whatever he sure. is, yeah. and you for the third straight year have a good season and lead the minors in homers, mm-hmm. you don't have to do that much thinking no, about it. It right. doesn't need that's to be right. deep thoughts. It can be, yeah. oh, this guy hits the crap out of the ball. Let's just add him. He could also, well, can they trade him? Yeah, he can. Yeah, be they traded. trade it too. Last year they added uh, 
Casey Legumun, Legumun, Legumina, <laughs> a right-handed reliever. Sorry if I botched that. And then traded him to the Reds for Farmer. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, right. Two weeks later or something like that. Okay. Um, so I think – so all that, now there's – I don't want to say four spots on the 40-man roster. There's still some moves they can make to clear spots because they're going to be adding more guys. I think what this does from a payroll standpoint – a few things. One, it makes it very unlikely now, given that we know the payroll is going to drop perhaps substantially. And again, I would encourage everyone to go read Dan Hayes' article with actual quotes from Falvey and also some additional reporting on that. But Or read Bonus's thing on <laughs> Twins Daily, which he kind of went through some of the stuff I'm going through now. But it makes it very unlikely that Kyle Farmer would be retained yes. for what is like a $6.5 million projected arbitration figure. That is just a luxury item you can no longer afford in a That's part-time right. backup role. That's right. And, and you, can't have, you can't spend $6.5 million on a utility player, you, no matter how much you love that utility player, right. when you've got – you know when you might need to spend that much on a center, starting center fielder. <laughs> right. When you basically have no <laughs> right. spending room, right. again, self-imposed. Uh, I think it makes much more likely a trade of one or more of Polanco, who's making 10 uh, and, 10 a, and half, a half, yep. Kepler, who's making 10, and then Vasquez, who's making 10 this year and 10 or 10 this upcoming season and 10 two seasons from now. With Vasquez, you're probably going to have to eat some of eat that. some of the 10. But again, that's $30 million between those three players. Right. 36, if you include Farmer, it's like 37, actually. Uh, Farmer, yeah. Vasquez, Kepler, Polanco. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you were to trade or all three, all four of those <laughs> right. guys, then all of a sudden you kind of have opened up the spending room that you hope to have. On the other hand, you got you've lost <laughs> yeah, right. two right. of your best players right. plus your backup catcher and your top utility guys. Right. So yeah. you know, it's these are. Uh, I don't know. It's you never want less money to throw around that's not i know people will look and say oh the arizona diamondbacks made the yeah there's always examples of team that the rays have been doing it for years the twins to some extent have been doing it for 20 years having success with middling or low-level payrolls but it doesn't help you no i mean just logically try to think of that why would having one less dollar to spend help you but i will say that like in this specific case if you were to trade vasquez and make camargo the backup catcher if you were to not sign a Michael A. Taylor or Kevin Kiermeyer type in center field and were instead just to say it's Austin Martin's job or Willie Castro's job. Or if you were to trade Polanco and make Julian the second baseman, right. you would trade Kepler and make, you know, whatever it is. Walner goes to right field and Larnick is your left. Whatever right, it is. Like Does that make the team better? No, not on paper. It doesn't have to make the team worse just because they're less proven and young. Right. And in fact, in some cases, like we saw last year when they finally gave opportunities to Julian and Walner and whoever, those guys can be better. You, you can certainly make a case that they would have been better served by not signing Joey Gallo Exa- last year that's exactly and, right. and allowing the opportunity for Walner to get up here that much sooner. The appeal with veteran players is the, the notion that they have a higher floor, right. that they're less likely to just completely flop. And... I've never really seen a whole lot of evidence, like data on that, that it's true. I think Gallo is a great example. Gallo flopped. If a rookie would have come up and if Walner would have come up and hit like Gallo, you know, 150 for three months, that would have been etched into everyone's mind that every future rookie, they would have gone, well, we can't call, we can't give him the job. What if he does like, like, uh, Walner? The same kind of, uh, Black Cloud doesn't come attached to every veteran who struggles in the same way. 
but even if you buy into that, you know, higher floor often will come with a lower ceiling. I mm-hmm. think that's definitely true in terms of giving young players a chance. I mean, look, it, it also it also it gives you less depth, right? right? That's I mean, the key, that's the key, right? Especially from what we saw this year. Now, whether or not you utilize that depth, whether or not you toss Gallo to the side when it's clear that he's not really doing right. what you want him to do, and you get want to give Walner a chance, that's a that's perhaps a weakness of this organization, uh, right. a weak weak tendency of this organization. But you at least have that option if you if walder falls flat the way gallo fell flat you don't have necessarily right. anybody to jump it's, into that it's yeah. not that like on paper camargo projects to be that much worse than the version of christian vasquez we just saw right. this past season which wasn't very good at all it's that what happens if camargo gets hurt or jeffers gets hurt right. then your backup or your third string catcher is someone off the jet chart basically it's not that austin martin is incapable of being a solid starting center fielder right. like Michael Taylor was. It'd be a different type of player. But it's that if he's not, what is your backup plan to that? Right. Austin Martin would have been your backup plan for whatever veteran you had. And so that's sort of – it's like the domino effect of it. It's not that your kind of first unit that you trot out there is necessarily worse just because they're younger and cheaper and less proven. It's that like what happens if they are worse right. kind of snowballs yes. and then you just sort of run out of options there because the young guys are the depth or at least that's how they planned it. Um, I also – I wonder about this too, which is obviously the Twins have all but said, you know, they won't go into a, a particulars, but the payroll is dropping. How many other teams is that? will that be true for? Right. Uh, I think quite a few. And, you know, I read through MLB Trade Rumors always does like a top 50 free agent rankings and they do their projections for contracts. And I've read this religiously for 10 years. Right. I think they do an excellent job at yes. it. Yep. I read through these and I read 50, all 50 and I looked at the projections. 45 out of the 50 I would take the under on without hesitation. So like I, They're <laughs> projecting salaries yeah. that I think in a normal circumstance would be too high. And in this circumstance where there are going to be a half dozen teams like the Twins who are just very clearly dropping payroll and I think another half dozen teams because of the local television situation who are maybe keeping it neutral, right. this idea that Cody Bellinger is going to get $260 million or Sonny Gray is going to get $90 million, I just I have a very hard time seeing that. Now, if I'm wrong and that type of money is going to be thrown around by the other 29 teams – it puts the twins in an even more difficult situation because a twenty million dollar drop in payroll when everyone else is spending becomes difficult. But I kind of suspect that yes, the twins, if they drop twenty million from payroll, they're gonna be the biggest or among the biggest year over year declines in spending. But I would not be surprised at all if league wide or at least, you know, more than half the teams are neutral or declined spending. I think that's what we're about to see because whether it's team like the Twins whose deals are literally over with the television contracts or teams that have a year or two left but can kind of see the writing on the wall that this bubble is about to really burst, this chaos is about to really hit the fan. If not this year, next year. I think you're going to start to see teams dial back their spending and I guess in a way that would be good for the Twins – but within the division, it doesn't really matter because Cleveland's not going to spend. Right. Kansas City's terrible. The White Sox are about to the White Sox tear just, it down. Just, uh, didn't pick up. Uh, I, the Tigers Tim maybe Anderson. could spend, and I guess that would be a little scary. Although they haven't necessarily spent real well no, they have not. Uh, in recent years. So I 
last few years, one of the things we've been saying about Twins Payroll in terms of, you know, it's fair. It's not ex- it's not great, but it's fair. It's been basically 17th or 18th ranked yeah, overall, of right? Of, of like 30, basically right? exactly average right. for five years now. My question is, is, at 125, if it gets down that low, right. where does that actually Where rank? do we think that's going to end up ranking? Yeah. I, I'm guessing it is lower. Oh, it'll be lower. I just don't think it'll be like 28th. Yeah. Right. Like, right. right. This past season, it would have been certainly in the 20s. I, th- I think they'll still have the highest payroll in the AL Depends Central. on the White Sox. The White Sox. But, yeah, I mean, they won't drop lower than second, I bet. They still might yeah. have yeah. 50% oh, for sure. more spending than, oh, the, for sure. than the Guardians. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, what it really does is, in my opinion, three things. It, it brings to a screeching halt all this positive momentum on and off of the field that you've had, which is very difficult to put a number on to quantify, but sure. I have no doubt in my mind that it's worth millions upon millions of dollars. Right. It also very much limits your free agent and even to some extent trade options. It just sort of closes some doors to you. Like you're not going to look at re-signing Sonny Gray. Even if you don't think it's likely, that's at least an option. Well, that's just not an option at this point. Or say you want to go trade for a starting pitcher who makes $18 million a year. It's just going to be so much you know, yeah. trickier to do that. Right. And then the, the, the final thing it does is it forces you to consider moves like the trades we've discussed yep. or non-tendering Kyle Farmer, whatever yes. it is, that you would under normal circumstance not do or not feel right. pressure to do. Right. They might have very well yeah. traded Polanco or Kepler yeah. or Farmer or Vasquez or whatever just if they had a $200 million payroll. But this kind of puts your finger on the just, scale just of that decision-making yeah, process. Agreed. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I put in today's story is I basically said, I don't going into this offseason, and this is not from sources, this is just a sense I've got, they had no desire to lose either Polanco or Kepler, right? right? They had no – they were not – they're not out there actively shopping Polanco right. or if they Kepler got a good offer, there, right? they'll consider it. Right. But it's not a situation where they had to do That's it. Right. Now, that I think they were going to get some good offers for right. them, right? Mm-hmm. And they were going to have to, and they will have to consider those offers. But this does make it a little more likely that they give that yeah. offer a little bit more consideration than they normally it's would. It's hard enough, as we've seen, to make good decisions on on these types of things. A guy's got one year left yeah. under contract or two years left. Should we sell him now? Should we trade cash him in now? Or do we think he's got more good? It's hard enough just right. to make the right decision straight up on those things. When there are other factors that are, like I said, kind of putting your finger on the scale of that. And you might think, honestly, the offers we're getting for Kepler or Polanco are just not that good. Let's just run it back with them. They're among our best players. Except now you say, well, if we do that, we can't afford to re-sign Michael right. A. Taylor, or we can't afford to sign Kenta Maeda to a two-year, twenty-something million-dollar contract. Right. Once you are putting other factors into the decision-making process, it's almost by definition gonna lead to less. I don't know. You can still get the decision right, but it's lowering your odds of getting it right because it's just kind of making it murkier. It's clouding the picture, which is already a difficult enough thing to try to figure out. And so that's kind of what I feel like. It's a shame for the Twins. Now, with that said, we've been talking when we thought we, we weren't sure the payroll was going to drop, and we've talked for weeks now about the possibility of trading some of these guys, how they have the lineup depths to maybe trade a hitter for a pitcher like they did with the rise in Pablo Lopez last year. I mean, the, yes. the, the same things are in play that were in play before right. we knew this, but now there's no doubt to it. Now other teams know it, and now 
It, you can see the clear path to yes. we got to shed payroll. We can't just make decisions based on their own merit. I will say this. I think the number at which they chose or the number at which it sounds like it's going to be at yeah. was chosen so they don't have to trade away anybody. Right. Like we said, if they just if don't was, make if, any moves. If, yeah, if, if the number was 115, 120, right. well, then they've got to – then right. then you know that they've got some trades that are going to have to happen, right? They're going to have to shed some payroll, and it's going to be you know probably one of the more beloved veterans on this team that are going to be the case. This feels like – this feels like they know the aisles in which they are going to shop. <laughs> they know the approximate prices in those two aisles. Right. They've got two big needs, right? They need a pitcher and they need a center fielder. And they think they can get a decent pitcher at about this much and they can get a decent center fielder at about this much. And if you add those two to $115 million or $117 million, which is where they're going to be yeah, if they're at 130 roughly. You're at about 130, 135. Yeah. And that's where, that's where that number is. You just have from. no room to kind of tinker around the margins right. and even within that you're going to be more motivated to clear some salary just let's say we want to sign a middle reliever we want yeah. to sign a backup outfielder yeah. we want to sign a yeah. whatever it is yeah i don't think that number is being driven by listen we need to save 30 million dollars as much as it is listen we need to save some money we've got two big well, needs we gotta we and here's how we're gonna cover those needs i agree although the math just works out yeah, too it, it if you're out. going yeah. from 55 million in revenue to yeah. let's say 20 million in revenue yeah. Yeah. you've lost 25 million you would expect to lose let's say 15 million in yeah. payroll yeah. they're at 155 that drops you to like 135 to 140 which is sometimes it all just works out nicely yeah well i wouldn't say nicely <laughs> sometimes it all works out horribly that's my motto really just in life in general uh okay so we we have kind of brushed past the what had been the biggest Twins news of the previous week, <laughs> right. which was Dick Bramer uh, leaving the broadcast booth after 40 years. We're not going to get that heavy into that. We're going to talk a little bit about that at the end. Of the we'll talk a little bit about the end. We did about 40 minutes on that, kind of our more emotional reaction to it the next morning yes. once we heard yes. that news last week, uh, again, on the Patreon side. What, so we'll talk about that maybe if we have some time at the end here, obviously, but I would encourage everybody to go listen to that. Again, if you sign up for the Patreon, you can get the whole archive for free anyway. What we're going to talk about after we talk, uh, read our next two sponsors here yeah. is, okay, now we know the payroll is going down. How do we kind of re reconfigure our thought process about free agency right. like you just sort of laid out here yep. it doesn't mean that they don't need a center fielder and it doesn't mean that they don't need a pitcher <laughs> right, yeah. or right-handed bat it just changes the scope of or the aisle like you say that they would be shopping in and so we're going to go over the free agent list sort of as we see it today versus yes. as we might have seen it two days ago That's right yeah. and what what does that mean in terms of who the twins could and should realistically be targeting but before we get to that let's talk about our next sponsor speaking of dealing with problems uh when you're trying to deal with some problems right call uh, them up and talk payroll that'd be a really funny at betterhelp betterhelp.com they're like what do you mean you're you lost your job no twins payroll went down oh you have twins they're out of work nope minnesota baseball team but if look Whatever your problem is, yeah. they can help you. Yeah, and here's the thing. When you've made the decision, it's not an easy decision to talk to anybody 
about your problems or about about what you're dealing with, what you're struggling with, right? Yes. And once you get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm ready to talk to a therapist about some of this. I'm ready to get some feedback and have somebody help me work through this stuff. You don't need any barriers for entry. Oh, you don't need any goodness. speed bumps that'll stop you from getting there. If you wake up on a day and say, you know what? Today feels like a good day to get some help. You can get it from BetterHelp. They can set you up with a real licensed therapist, typically within 48 to 72 hours, and they can also tailor it to what you're comfortable with. And so what I mean by that is, if you want to do a video chat, right. you can do a video chat. If you don't want to be on camera, you do a phone call. You if you're a weirdo like me and you hate being on the phone, you can just do a live chat. You got a weird schedule? Yes. They'll, they'll, they can accommodate that. They you, uh, you don't have to worry about whether or not they, you, you want to try a couple of different therapists. You can try that. Right. Uh, you, all you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched to a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit betterhelp.com slash Gleeman today. You will get 10% off your first month. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Gleeman. And speaking of a holiday season coming up here, uh, we are big fans, and we got an easy gift for you. It's not going to break the bank. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get to be the star. Uh, wireless earbuds are something that everybody wants uh, because – because they're super convenient. Yes, like I was using them just yesterday for a couple hours. And Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N, Raycon offers high-quality earbuds. Really super well At a well price point here. that is uh, a lot more palatable right. uh, than some other brands. And they, we've both used them. John uses yes. them to go out running yep. because they're more comfortable in his yep. ear than some other brands. Absolutely. I use them because they have very good battery life yep. like if you're just on a zoom for two hours you don't have to worry about it running out and exactly also it's right. as a person who's not the most technologically advanced it's very easy to pair them from bluetooth i find it a consistent connection yes with them which is also key on these calls and, and like they do, they do everything right and including by the way sales to get into the holiday shopping spirit a bit early if you're somebody who's doing that raycon is currently offering 20 percent off everything everything on their site with some products up to 50% off. So go to buyraycon.com. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N. Buyraycon. Yeah, that's not just raycon.com. Buyraycon. Yes. B-U-Y. Buyraycon.com slash Gleeman. You will get, like John said, 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash Gleeman to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash Gleeman. Okay. So we've kind of... Uh, <laughs> Shifted our mentality here. Not that we thought they were going to sign Shohei Otani. I feel like we've been doing a little therapy and, and here. Cody, yeah. And Cody, we could use it. And Cody Bellinger, grew, uh, couples therapy. That would be, there's a show. <laughs> See, that's a, you we record correct. a couples oh therapy. Oh, geez. That might be a 10 episode. Uh, God, imagine that. That we would get some signups for that, boy. We, we could pay for the therapy. For that. We would get some subscribers uh, for that. Imagine video of that. <laughs> we're on a couch, just like very awkwardly moving further and further away oh, from each God. other on the couch. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess, again, we're going to do the uh, minutes, not hours version of this, which we've <laughs> talked about. But you kind of laid it out. They need uh, – what what they're losing from last year's team is not a huge amount in terms of spots. It's right. impactful because they're losing their reigning team MVP in Sonny Gray mm -hmm. and Kent Maeda, who had a lot of value, and then their starting center fielder in Michael A. Taylor. But that's really it. I mean, Donovan Solano they're losing too. But like – you need to – I think they're counting on essentially – Joey Gallo. Don't forget Joey Gallo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who could forget Joey Gallo? <laughs> I talked to him uh, right before the playoff game. 
He was on the field taking ground ball. He was guy. ready. He was, he was a good guy. He was he a joy to deal with. Yes, he was just off great. the field. Yes, he he. I liked. He talked about whatever. He was pretty open with his struggles. Yes. He dropped a lot of f bombs, which I like. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think they're viewing Paddock as replacing one of Gray or Maeda, and I don't mean that from like a production standpoint. I just mean from like a sure. rotation spot standpoint. Right. Now you could also just have Louis Varlin replace the other one, and you got five starters. Right. You you still have Pablo Lopez at the top. You have Paddock and Varlin at the bottom, right. and you have Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober. There's your five man rotation. But again. It, that causes then, well, who's the next man up? Then you're already dipping into your prospects. Correct. I think they would like to sign one or trade for, sign or trade for, one veteran mid-rotation starter to push Varland either to AAA or to the bullpen so that he can be the next man up right. so that you don't immediately have to dip into David Fester or whatever it is. They they clearly, even more so, a, a more dire need is center field. Right. But even within that, this is part of us kind of trying to recalibrate how we view this. They could, again, just go with Willie Castro sure. or Austin Martin or Deshaun Kersey or right. whoever, Michael Hellman, some maybe, kind of platoon. Maybe Nick Gordon. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things they could potentially right. do to replace Michael A. Taylor. They could also just try to re-sign Michael A. Taylor for right. $8 million or something like that. So those are the two biggest needs. I think then in terms of what I would have said were needs – Two days ago, were <laughs> yeah. a right-handed platoon bat who can play some first base, could play some left field to platoon with Kirloff or Walner. Uh, but again, maybe Jose Miranda becomes that. Right. Maybe Junior Severino becomes that because they're trying to conserve money, basically. But the lineup is remarkably intact. And that's not even like assuming Buxton will make some big impact. But other than center field, they have an opening day lineup already in place. Right. And it looks an awful lot like the lineup we saw in the second half, which was quite good. I mean, it's missing Solano, and it's missing a center fielder. But other right. than that, right. they have multiple options at all these spots. The rotation is a little less along those lines, but they could literally have a five-man sure. rotation that certainly wouldn't be bad compared to past Twins right. years. It just doesn't have Sonny Gray in it. So before we get to the free agents, let me just say, in-house center field options – Willie Castro is yes. going to make about $3 million. He's going to be on the team already. You can just stick him in center field. I don't think they'd like to do that, but they could do that. Austin Martin finished the year at AAA. Deshaun Kersey finished the year at AAA. Michael Hellman finished the year at AAA. Am I saying those three guys are is ready? Andrew Stevenson still in the organization? No, but they could re-sign him if they yeah, wanted. He's in, he's I'm not saying all three of those guys are going to be all-star center fielders. I'm not even saying they can sink versus swim, or, uh, swim versus sink if you throw them out there on opening day. I'm just saying if they don't have money to go sign a Kiermaier or a Michael A. Taylor or a Harrison Bader, who we're going to talk about here in a second, those are op- in-house options. Uh, I talked about Camargo as a potential backup catcher option. By, by the way, let me just say, as far as in-house options go, if you missed this, uh, the Twins have said it ain't going to be uh, Royce Lewis in center field. Yeah, yeah. Well, a yeah. month ago we He's playing we, third base. A month ago we were wondering if that might be the case. In the uh, discussion we had, now whether or not they maybe revisit that. I, just, I mean, I think <laughs> revisit that during given this payroll right. cut. And that's something I've talked about in the past, but I'm just going to be frank here. He's not fast enough to play center field anymore. Now, maybe a year removed from surgery, he will be, but he's just sort of normal fast now. He's not fast compared to center. He used to be extremely fast. Now he's just fast. I mean, he's slower than Austin Martin. He's definitely slower than Kersey. He's definitely slower than Willie Castro. You know, you need need wheels in center. Uh, beyond just the wide mess with him. Sure. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, and then first base options we talked about. Miranda, Severino. You could re-sign Solano, I'm sure, pretty cheaply. Uh, 
But again, if you were to trade Polanco, then all of a sudden Julian slides in at second and DH is open more. Right. Now that could just be Buxton. Right. If you were to trade Kepler. So there are some other names that we're going to talk about right. other than just those two spots. Okay. So laying all that out, to me, the kind of pie-in-the-sky targets that I would have said coming into this offseason, which are very similar to – Guys I would have had at the top of my, you know, who should the Twins target list, or if I were running the Twins, who would I target? Yeah. You know, in years past, it would have been Zach Wheeler, you Darvish, Kevin Gaussman I was very high on a right. couple off-seasons yes. ago. Uh, I was also thought they could have gone after Carlos Rodon. Right. Some of these worked out brilliantly. I think I would have, I would have <laughs> signed Kevin Gaussman because I would have offered him more than he got, and that would have looked brilliant. But I also might have signed Carlos Rodon, and <laughs> right. that would have looked yeah. terrible. Yeah. So right. I'm not saying right. I'm right on that. But I tend to look at – Frontline starting pitchers who are gettable in the hundred to one hundred and fifty million dollar price range as what I would be shooting for. The right. Twins very much they've tried for Wheeler and Darvish, but they have not really shown an ability or a want to spend that kind of money on right. free agent pitchers. Now, this off season, there's quite a few guys like that. You know, you have Otani at the top, obviously, right, right. and uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who I think is going to get about two hundred million dollars from somebody coming over from Japan. They weren't going to sign those guys anyway. But someone like Aaron Nola, I'm a big fan of. I ranked him higher than anybody else at The Athletic as like a five-year, $130 million type of guy. That is so in my wheelhouse for like who I would try to target, you know, a Gaussman type guy, a Wheeler type guy at that price point. I just don't. Th- I mean, I just don't think that's feasible no, anymore at this no. stage. I had, I, had, I had Eduardo Rodriguez as one of those guys yeah. that I thought was made some sense for the Twins. Yes, and I don't. So now. I, <laughs> As of last night, I went through and took a look at our free agent list, and I gave them all a, a rating of zero to five. Like, what is the what is the chance? How how likely are they as a target? Right. How likely are they to end up signing with the Twins? Yeah, and all of those guys are a one. Yes, I mean <laughs> right? you it's have, just. I mean, for that matter, right. Sonny Gray's in that mix too. Right. I would say, yeah, sort of. I know you're lower on him, but. I, I mean, he's Gray a frontline pitcher who's going to make twenty something million dollars a year. I think it's going to be a right. shorter contract, but there's no real path to get there if your payroll is dropping like that so yeah i would include otani and yamamoto i think are were out of their range regardless i mean realistically all these guys were not going right. to get signed by the twins but i would say nola blake snell you mentioned eduardo rodriguez jordan montgomery sunny gray yep. and then i would also maybe include marcus stroman who surprised some people by opting out. I gave him a two. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. But those are just sort of playoff caliber. Some of those are a one. Some of those are a two. Some of those are a high-end three. But those are playoff caliber starters who I think will get 20-something million dollars a year for three- to six-year deals. In a lot of off-seasons, I would be sitting here pounding the table saying, this is exact. They got to go sign Aaron Noel. They got to go sign, re-sign Sonny Gray or whatever. I still think that would be, those would be smart moves given the state of the Twins. But that just seems so unrealistic from a monetary standpoint right. or a feasibility standpoint. And so I would just sort of wipe them off the list. And so then what – And so, I mean, they were never going to sign Cody Bellinger. Right. Now they're definitely not right. going to yeah, sign exactly, Cody yeah. Bellinger. So you wipe all those guys away. Well, what does that leave? You know, I might have made the case, and we discussed Reese Hoskins quite a bit, yeah. who you're very familiar with because yeah. your wife's a Phillies fan, <laughs> right, yeah. uh, on, the, on the Patreon side – you know, if you could have gotten Reese Hoskins for three years, forty million or something like that, right-handed slugging first baseman, you know, cleanup type of hitter, that made some sense to me. Well, that's just not that's not even. I mean, that's not a price yeah, point that they no. can really afford to bring it in at first right. base at this. Th- th- I mean, I would argue that if they are 
committed to getting a free agent center fielder, and the payroll is really where it is, uh, they aren't bringing on any other bat. Right. There is no other yeah, bat. I mean, that, that, it would require I, a trade. It would require a trade. Right. right. So then you get into, well, Which could happen. Who's the next level, like the third tier almost of free agents? Right. And even there, it's a little tricky. Yep. I mean, some of these guys might end up getting one-year deals, like someone like a Lucas Giolito, let's say. Um Kevin Kiermeyer would be again two days ago. He might have been my number three target for the Twins. Yeah. Kevin Kiermeyer is a center fielder. Yes, a rich yes. man's yeah. Michael Taylor, right. if you will. Yes. Well, he's going to be too rich of a man for the Twins, basically. I think so. Too. I think uh, so. The group that I would now kind of elevate to the wishful thinking part of a Twins list, honestly, would be like Giolito, Kiermeyer, Teoscar Hernandez, even someone like maybe Maeda or Waka. Or Seth Lugo, yeah. who those normally would have been kind of my second tier. Like, well, these are more realistic. Now, given the payroll, those might be, you know, unrealistic options because those guys are going to get $15, $18 million a year for multiple years. And I just don't see how or why that would be the Twins' MO here. Yeah, I've got some of those guys a little bit higher. So I, you know, I'm, it, it, I'll start it with pitching, right? From a pitching standpoint, I don't know exactly where my, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they are, shopping in the 9 to 12 or 9 to 13 million dollar range. That might be a little rich for their blood, right? But I, ultimately what I think they're looking for is we are getting no more than like a one-year deal. So if you think Kenta Maeda is getting a two-year deal, well then Kenta Maeda right. probably isn't one of the categories, right? But I'm not sure Kenta Maeda is going to get a two-year deal. I think Kenta Maeda is going to get a one-year deal. And so therefore, one year, $11 million, would they go back to Kenta Maeda? Potentially. Right. I mean, he's one of the ones that I've got probably like a four on yeah. my list in terms of, you know, things that are going. Uh, Giolito, I think, is probably – Giolito seems to be sort of the uh, – every year we get about two weeks into spring into a free agents market and uh, somebody signs that nobody thought was going to sign a deal uh, that early for that much. And it feels to me like it's – and it's everybody's sleeper. And I think everybody's sleeper this year is Giolito. I think that uh, there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, I think – by the way, Edward Rodriguez was that yes. two years ago. Yes, where that's it was right. like, oh, exactly. I kind of like him as underrated. Then yeah. he got eighty million from the Tigers. Exactly like, right. Oh right. well, no, uh, <laughs> right. And to me, it feels like Giolito's. I could be wrong about that, uh, but otherwise, I think Giolito is a perfect fit. I think um, right. you know, uh, other one-year guys. Montes is a good fit. Severino's a good one-year fit. Uh, you know, basically, any. I think they're kind of either looking for guys on a. With higher upside, that need to make good contracts. So they're riskier, but they have higher coming upside. Off make good, yeah, yeah, coming off injuries. Coming off injuries, they're right. On a make good contract like that. Or they're looking for like a veteran number four guy right. that's going to be a one-year deal like a Kyle Gibson. Yeah, or Maeda, obviously. <laughs> or Maeda would be another right. one. A kind of guys. a high high floor, low ceiling type that's of guy. Right. Or a no floor, high ceiling type of right. guy. Those yes. are I, I agree with that. Yep. Um, so – so guys that match that, in my opinion, were like I mentioned, those guys were the one-year deal. Uh, you know, what, uh, I think Jack Flaherty is a, a kind of a mix of those two, yeah. uh, an interesting play. Um, I think Nick Martinez, who is an, is in fact a free agent, is sort of an interesting uh, one-year play, or maybe maybe even a two-year play if they really believe in him. Uh, you know, Matthew Boyd, Mike Lorenzen, Kyle Gibson, Seth Lugo, Wade Miley. These are all the sort of. I think Boyd's hurt. Is Boyd hurt? I oh, I think you're right. You know, you're right. But the other I guys, I agree. Yep. These are all in the in the zone. You know, the Maeda or, you know, roughly Maeda yeah. zone kind yep. of. That's right. I agree with all that. Um, I would guess that even that ends up being uh, 
one aisle further than they're willing to shop, Maybe uh, I guess, in this analogy. And so then what you're left with, more realistically to me, is, <laughs> you know, in center field, Taylor. Yeah, yeah right. On a Ta- one Taylor's deal. The, the one I put on my list that I put a six. Yeah. Although <laughs> I just saw a report from uh, John Morosi for uh, Fox or whatever that said, I forget what team he said, the Blue Jays maybe? To replace Kiermaier, oh, have talked suppose. to Taylor already. Of course. I mean, Taylor's going to have interest because, yeah. for the same reason that we're saying he'd be yeah. a very easy plug and play, yeah. run it back with him. Teams are going to go. Well, he's a good defender. He's good in the clubhouse. He's got twenty homers. Why we not? Had, we had a much longer discussion about that center field position yes. on the Patreon episode. I just want to call that. We out. did like twenty minutes just on Kevin Kiermaier, uh, Kier- Kiermaier, and and, uh, uh, yeah. and one of the things that came out of that was I just don't believe they're going to give any multi year deal to a center field. I agree. Man. So uh, if Taylor gets a two year deal from somebody. And I think there's a 50% chance he right. does. Or Kiermaier, which is even or more likely. I think there's a better. I think, yeah. I, I think Kiermaier's out of their range. I agree. Uh, the kind of third of three defense first <laughs> guys like that yep. would be Harrison Bader, who is legit gold glove caliber center fielder. He's 30, so he's more likely to age well than Taylor or Kiermaier, sure, yeah. although they've both already kind of beaten father time at this point. But his bat has just cratered to the point that yes. he's, you know, much worse than even Taylor. He had a 69 OPS plus Yes, which year. is not nice. <laughs> uh, but you go back a couple years, and he was like a 110 OPS guy with some power and some speed for the for the Cardinals a couple years. But, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, like, functionally, what does the payroll n- news do when we've gone over this? But I would say, like, the easiest way to think about it is – Compared to a week ago, they're not going to be shopping for Kiermaier. They might right. not even be shopping for Taylor. Now they might be shopping for Bader. Yeah, that's and that's, that's I think kind of where it's dropped them. Which is those were the, you know, he was the number five on my list. Good, <laughs> mediocre, yeah. and poor options yeah. as a defense first one year center fielder or two year center fielder. And the first one is probably off the the radar now for yeah. Kiermaier. The second one being Taylor, I think, still makes sense, but might if he cost. 10 million that's tricky if he gets a two-year deal that's very tricky now you're kind of eh, well bader wouldn't be a bad fallback option now that might just be the guy you pursue right. yeah. or again you just say castro well i think oh, you, Martin, i think you even said on monday's show uh, bader is a step beyond where you want to go like you you a step you want lower to, than i yeah, would want uh, he well, is right, a step that's, lower than you wanted to go the, right. the gap between in my mind but and i think harrison bader was a really good player two three years ago but i just right. wonder i mean at the, this point maybe instead you just go with Castro. that's exactly maybe right. right to me right. the gap the the drop off from like taylor to bader you know, if they could get Harrison Bader on a one-year, $4 million deal or something, yeah, fine, whatever. But the gap between Michael A. Taylor and Harrison Bader is like the exact point at which I just go, yeah, we can just let Austin Martin try to win this job or let <laughs> right. Willie Castro keep it for two months and then right. give it to Austin Martin right. or try to adjust on the fly. You know, uh, That to me is – Is he going to be that much better than Andrew Stevenson if we recently bring yeah, him as a minor league free agent? I mean, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Kersey, whoever. I'm, right. I don't know, whoever. So – then the the other thing that I think the payroll stuff does is I had a bunch of relievers I like here, Ronaldo Lopez, uh, Robert Stevenson, David Robertson, that type of guy, uh, even someone like Jordan Hicks, who I think is going to be pretty expensive. Normally, I would say I'm I'm constantly, I can't say surprised anymore at this point, but kind of frustrated, <laughs> and I've discussed this with the Twins officials, that they just don't value relievers in free agency or trades they're just kind of willing to build the bullpen on the fly and it ended up pretty well this year although i would argue mid-season it wasn't going particularly well 
to me, someone like Ronaldo Lopez on a, like a two-year, maybe even a three-year deal at eight million a year or ten million a year, that's the type of player I yeah, would be trying right. to target. I don't think the Twins would have targeted that to begin with because they've shown no inclination to do that. Right. And now that's just comp- that's a luxury <laughs> item they they will not yeah, afford. Yeah. We uh, in the in the uh, Twins Daily Offseason Handbook, uh, we list you know, uh, thirty or twenty some you know free agent starting pitchers. We list twenty some position hitters or something that could make sense to get depending on what pieces happen. We don't even have a story on the free agent relievers right. anymore. Back to back offseasons, they've not spent any yeah, money. Right, right. Joe Smith for three million was the most they've spent on a right. reliever. My worry is then that it also rules out someone like Tommy Pham or Hunter Renfro right. or Adam Duvall as a platoon. Yeah. Right-handed hitting first base, left field, right field. Because if does. that guy costs six to eight million, <laughs> yeah. which again is a perfectly reasonable price point for that role and something I would have pursued last offseason, this trade deadline, etc. I just don't, I don't know that that's doable for them. Well, it's, I don't, I don't think it is doable for them, and I don't think it's um, given this payroll level. I just don't see any route to it. The only way it happens is if they end up trading Kepler, and then. You know, right. then what you're doing is getting worse to save a few million dollars, right. and uh, you're overpaying for a worse commodity, of, and you know, getting a little more right-handed in the lineup. That's the only advantage to it. I, I guess. What would sense. you? We like to do over/unders here. Okay, I'll give you two different ones. One. What is the over/under salary in 2024 of the most expensive free agent they sign? You could say, NA. Non-applicable. Right. The most expensive free agent. Yes. They Not total value of the contract, but the most. Like for instance, if they sign Michael A. Taylor for nine million and don't sign anyone else, the answer to this question would be nine million, because right. that's what he'll make in twenty twenty four. I mean, nine isn't a bad one. That's about where I was going to yeah. go. I mean, the it comes down to if they sign a pitcher, it's going to cost them. Right. I don't think I don't think they're signing a hitter for nine million. I think that the overrun of what they're signing a hitter for is six million. Okay, maybe maybe five and a half million. That'd be where I would set the over under. I would take and the for, yeah. Go ahead. Where would you take? Would you take the over on the hitter? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I would just take the over on that in general. But what were you just about to say for pitchers? Uh, for pitchers, I would probably say I would probably say ten. Man, mm, I'm gonna say nine and a half. Here's my other over-under. What is the total amount of guaranteed money across multiple years, not just 2024, right. they sign free agents to this offseason over-under? The total, in other words. $15 million. In other words, if Michael Taylor gets, 14, a, 14 and a, half gets a two-year $18 million deal, that number is 18. Yes, right. You're saying how much? $14.5 million. $14.5 million. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, not much. I mean, I just, I just gave you the two over-unders. No, I, I thought on the two players, I, I think they're only getting two players. That's $15 million. And I bet, bet the under, by the way, Aaron Gleeman. I would bet the under on 14 and a half. <laughs> I like this new thing where you say my full <laughs> Point of emphasis, Aaron Gleeman. What if it's not me someday? I just want to remind Twins officials. <laughs> they know. Believe me, they know. Uh, yeah, I think those are not crazy uh crazy well, over where would you where would you take pickets i mean i guess what, i would kind of take the under if only because trades become much more feasible uh for them in general but right. especially given yes. these circumstances i agree with you you know yeah you might try to resign michael taylor but if you don't it's not like you're going to throw six million dollars at some random free agent right. center fielder just because i you mean need if, them. if they sign just one guy 
which I think I would put the over under on free agents they sign at one and a half. I mean, I think it's very Maybe. possible they don't sign a free agent to a major league contract. I agree. Um, I don't think they should take that approach, but it's not like they're racking up eight signings usually anyway. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I think this is a very without knowing how they're going to approach Kepler, Polanco, Vasquez, Farmer. I mean, we have a pretty good idea how they're going to approach Farmer, but without <laughs> knowing their their kind of current willingness to entertain market level or maybe slightly below in terms of their perception value for those guys because of the payroll right. like how how much how much more that makes that encourages them to choose right choose an offer that they would not normally have right really if they don't trade one or more of those guys then i don't really see them being at all active in free agency but if they do trade one or more of those guys then it opens up not only the playing time but the money to do it so yeah mm-hmm. i don't know those are reasonable those are reasonable over-unders i guess i don't know our uh We'll finish here with some Bramer talk, maybe. But our, our, I would say my kind of main talking point as a recap of all the payroll stuff, because it's going to get emotions uh, stirred up, is I think it sucks. I think it's both logical from a profit and loss standpoint and straightforward enough that people willing to put any ounce of effort can understand the reasoning behind it. Right. But I don't think that takes away from the notion of for twenty million bucks they can make this all go away for at least a year or kick this can down the road for at least a year. And I, I don't care what you're going to tell me about businesses and liquidity and whatever. Twenty million dollars means nothing to the people who own the Minnesota Twins. And I think not spending that twenty million dollars is much more hurtful to the people who care about the Minnesota Twins who are not in that ownership group of which there are, you know, thousands upon thousands of them than the strictly the money being saved represents. I think you are cutting yourself off at the knees. I think you are choosing to halt all morale and momentum on and off the field and you're doing it in the name of saving 0.4% of your net worth yeah. uh, a rounding error uh, from a business standpoint. And again, I get it. They're trying to run it like a business. This is a, a slippery slope. If you put $20 million in and you know you're going to lose it, the next year do you want to put $40 million in? But the truth is you could do that every year with a slippery slope for the next 50 years and it would not affect them <laughs> one bit in terms of generational wealth and liquidity and ability to do what they want to do in life and all this stuff. But what it will affect is what the average person who is your customer and is your fan thinks of the situation and their spending and their willingness to buy in. And like you mentioned at the beginning, their willingness to kind of uh, let some of the perception of this team that has been so uh, strongly built on a negative side over the last 60 years, let some of that be washed away with each year of success and spending. You are completely undoing that. And I wonder if you're not only getting back to the the starting point, but you're almost worse now because now you've given a little taste. And now people can say, really? They finally won a playoff game, and now they're going to cut the payroll? Right. And no matter the logic behind that and the profit and loss nature of that and the, the hey, declining in revenue means declining in spending, there's nothing you can say or do other than putting your money 
up. And I just think, you know, if someone said to me, equivalent dollars for $1,500, you could just push this all off for a year and everyone will just be fine with a neutral payroll. That is something that the average person would jump at. And it surprises me. In some ways, it doesn't surprise me because all the, you know, stereotypical twins, cheap stuff. But it surprises me that they're not, that the, the thought process or the smarts involved, because they know all this stuff that we're talking about, didn't cancel out the, well, yeah, but it's going to cost us 20 million bucks. Yeah. I just, that, that there, what, that there isn't someone in that room banging a table and saying all the same stuff that we've been talking about today and just saying, who are we kidding? Why do you care about $20 million? And I know it's a slippery slope, but I think unfortunately that's how a lot of people are going to take this. It's going to have a effect on the interest in the off season. It's going to affect how the interest in season tickets, it's going to affect just the overall yep. fan morale. And the only way now that you can cancel that out, there's no amount of trades. There's no amount of, Hey, we've been average spending for this long. The only thing you can do now to cancel that out is just win and win a lot. Yep. And right. that's great. You can right. still do that. Yes. Yeah. But you've and increased the degree I, I of difficulty. Will. Right. Yes. I do too. But you've increased the degree of difficulty. And then even within that, what you've done is, you can't prove the winning until next October. Right. Right? And so in the meantime, you've given people a really easy other th- worst thing to latch onto, which is all the support in the world and all the good vibes and all the young players and we finally won in the playoffs and now they're going to cut the payroll. What the F is that? Right. And I think that's a perfectly viable way to feel as a fan, no matter how logically or linearly you want to think. And the twins need to realize that they open that door right. wide open yep. for the fan base. And if there's a single person at Target Field in those offices that is surprised by the bucket of shit that they're about to get, <laughs> sorry for cursing, uh, from this fan base on this decision, th- that person should be fired because that person cannot see a foot in front of their face. The good news is that uh, since you're not using season tickets, You've got lots of opportunities to get tickets using the game time app. <laughs> this is why you're a professional, there's, there's, John. <laughs> this is why you're the best. Uh, our I'm sponsor, the game I'm time the- app. The game time app is going to let, uh, you know, there might have been, you know, 5,000 new season ticket holders that needed to unload some of those tickets yeah. on the game time app. Those aren't going to be there anymore. But now you don't have to go invest in season tickets. You can just grab some off of the game time app, That's which right. specializes in sort of last minute and cheaper tickets. Or you can right? go hop on that Wolves bandwagon. They're spending money. They're winning games. <laughs> That's, yeah. They certainly have tickets for the Wolves. Yes. Uh, they have tickets for the Wild. They have tickets for comedy shows. They have tickets for concerts. And they have tickets for the Twins. Yes. Last minute, hard to find. Specialized tickets, that's their specialty. Right. And it's uh, not a website. It's you've just got an, an app. You, you, you download the GameTime app that's right. on your phone. You create an account, and you just use the code Gleeman, and you will get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. But again, create an account on the GameTime app. Redeem the code G-L-E-E-M-A-N. You get 20 bucks off. Download GameTime today. GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. Okay. <laughs> Should we finish with some Dick Bramer uh, yeah, memories here? Yeah, let's do that. So... We're not going to get back into the the emotional side of it that much, you know. I think as I as I went on that rant just now, well, we should mention we did forty minutes. Yeah, that's why the I, day after right? yeah, it's right. worth discussing. We yeah, just right. already discussed it right. uh, a week ago. As I finished up that rant just now about how all the logic in the world doesn't change the emotional component of it, sure, it reminded me a lot of the discussion we had about Bramer, right. yeah. which is 
there are a lot of people who are very upset that A, Dick Bramer is leaving after 40 years, and B... It doesn't th- appear to be completely his decision. Right. <laughs> that is leaving before, right. let's put it this way, before he would have liked to have left. Yes. And from my perspective, you know, I, I've gotten to know Dick Bramer over the last three or four years, and he's been nothing but great to me uh, after, you know, he once had me blocked on Twitter because I thought, uh, it turns out, that Blylevin was more to blame for this than him. But I thought the <laughs> yeah. broadcast had gotten very stale at the end of the pairing, his pairing with Blylevin. But I've been very impressed. I've said this to him. I've said this on the show with how he managed to raise his game in his 38th, 39th, and 40th season on the job once it was Morneau and Glenn Perkins and Trevor Plouffe instead of just Burt Blylevin. Right. And he took that. You can. There's multiple ways that can go. You can just basically keep phoning it in sure, and just keep behaving as you did with Blylevin when you knew everything Blylevin was going to say at every point in right. the game. Or you can take it as an opportunity to say, you know what? I got these young guys in the booth. I haven't heard all their stories. I haven't. I don't know what they're going to say. I'm going to mentor I, them on how to do this, and they're going to mentor me exactly. on some finer points of baseball. And I will right. give Dick Bramer a ton of credit as a near 70-year-old guy who's been doing this for four decades to have adjusted to that. And yeah. I think was at the broadcast was better than ever. Yes. And he's the biggest part of all broadcasts right. and has been for 40 years. I think he was at the top of his game. Yeah. I, I Yes. With that said, similar to when they let Blylevin go before he wanted to go, it doesn't always line up that right. someone wants to leave the job at the exact moment the job wants them to leave. And I think there's absolutely reason to be upset with or criticize the twins in how they handled this in that he didn't get a proper send off. He didn't get, you know, that final game, you know, everyone knows he's sure. leaving and they can give him a standing ovation. There was a little of that. They gave him a cake for the 40th year and all that stuff. But there, the notion that he was leaving was certainly not known right. at that point. But I will say that it takes two to do that tango. Yeah, that's right. You can't, do a send-off for a guy who doesn't want to be sent off. You know what <laughs> yes, I mean? Right. You, it's like a, at the Academy Awards, they start playing that music 30 seconds <laughs> yeah, into someone's yeah, right, speech. Yeah. Some people just keep giving their speech. Right. Yes, uh, right. And so they have every right, much like with Blylevin, to think that the broadcast would benefit from a fresh voice after 40 years. I mean, that's an incredible run. And I think there's a tendency because of guys like Vince Scully or whatever to go, well, once you make it to 40 years, you get to just do it for however long you want. Right. And that's not how this works. And the broadcast absolutely got better or at the very minimum refreshed. Yes. Replacing Blylevin after however many years he did with a newer, younger, fresher look. And I'm not saying that you need to upgrade in terms of performance from Dick Bramer. Right. Like we just said, he was doing a fine job. But – you are allowed after 40 years to say, we'd like to bring in the next person who can be a long-term uh, voice of the twins. And those opportunities don't exist if you don't make this change. And so if if you're an upset twins fan about this and you're upset about the the way this was carried out and that he didn't get this send-off, I think that's valid. I sure. also think Bramer himself made that somewhat difficult, it seems like. But if you're just straight up upset that they replaced him, period, 
that was gonna you were gonna have that same upset at some point in the next five years. Perhaps, yeah. I compare it to the Nelson Cruz thing. We would always say every offseason, let's re-sign Nelson Cruz, but at some point Nelson Cruz is gonna cease being Nelson Cruz. At some point you were gonna move on from Dick Bramer. And if he if the if there had been a sense that, okay, we're gonna give him one final year, or maybe he scales back, he does only home games or something like that. But I don't think there was that sense. And so from their standpoint, they want a new voice. And if it's just open-ended, if there's no sense that, well, a 41st year will do it, then he'll be happy to step aside. Or a 42nd, like it was just open-ended. And so they had to rip the Band-Aid off at some point because they wanted a change. And you can debate the merits of that and how it happened. But I, I mean, I do think that my hope is that Corey Provis is the choice to replace him. I think that's very possible. And I think he would be excellent. I think he's great at the job. I think he's a different approach than Dick Bramer while also having a lot of the same old school announcer sensibilities and voice. But he certainly I, has the relationship. He has the relationships with players. I've watched him work his ass off being in managers meetings and working that clubhouse to get information that he conveys on the show. I think he would be awesome talking to Morno and Perkins and Ploof and whatever younger uh, color commentators they had. And Ultimately, I think Corey Provis, 30 years from now, we could, someone could, we'll be dead, but could be having a conversation about, well, sure, when's the time right, to yeah. have Corey Provis step down? He's done a great job for 35 right. years or whatever. And that's kind of, I think, their goal. You can't have the next guy who can do a multi decade run as the voice of the twins if the current guy is still in that job. And I think that's the logical component versus the emotional component, similar to the payroll discussion that we had. And you're never going to convince everyone on either side of those things. But that's sort of how I've come to think of the situation. Uh, I'll say I agree with a couple of your points. I agree with that uh, that the Twins have every right to make a change, and sooner or later that a change is going to happen. We all have to just be willing to accept that, including, right. including by the way, Bramer, right? right. Uh, I also agree You know, we can be frustrated with the way it went down, uh, but – you know how that that doesn't necessarily mean you need to be angry at the twins it just needs to be you could be disappointed that the two sides couldn't figure out a better a better more right. smoother more respectful way for the whole thing to and celebrate celebratory way for the whole thing to end right, right? um and i don't know I don't know how much of that is to do with one side versus how much of that has to do with one side the other side I'm not sure we're ever going to know right right I agree with that yeah I, I would argue uh, about the the necessity of make yeah uh, yeah eventually a move is going to need to be made i like like i said i thought bramer was at the top of his game right now i think he has you know earned a level of respect over those 40 years i think he has earned a level of connection with twins fans For over sure. those 40 years um and i think he has been that's funny that they're going to name him a special ambassador of the Twins. He's already been the most special ambassador for the Twins, right? He has not only represented them on the air for 40 years, he has represented them at various functions throughout there. He's represented them on the Twins caravan, et cetera. No, he's the voice right? of the Twins in more ways than, yeah. than one. It, it's, a, it, it's one thing to say, listen, sooner or later needs to be made. I don't know why that move needed to be made now. Now, well, maybe, now maybe there's something going on that... that I mean, we know made. it's the same as the well, payroll. But, but potentially it's... They're changing TV everything about the broadcast. Right. I think it presents... Just but I, but I, would, I might suggest that might be one... If you're going to make that transition, maybe you keep something the same uh, during that transition. Uh, to and, me, and, you're already starting... You're, if you're going from broadcast television to streaming under the MLB TV right? umbrella... 
I mean, if not now, with a change for a forty-year announcer, when? Like, no, I, and, I, and by the way, don't you want if it's Corey Provis? I, I, I think that I think. Yeah. Don't you want to give him a chance to start with that clean slate and not jump in on year three of that? Like to be on the ground floor of the big change that's happening, bigger picture with the broadcast. I, I think mean, that's it, it, it might also be that you know, three years from now, the. Uh, Transition is a smoother transition. Maybe both sides tend to see a closer yeah. eye to eye on that. It could be or, worse. Or by the way, it could be worse. Three years from now, the person, whether it's Corey Provis or someone else, that you yeah, well, think would be the best choice could be gone. Yeah, that's a risky run well, too. This, you're not going to sit around forever and wait for a job that's yeah. not going to open up that's ever. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, my hope is you kind of touched on this, but that the way this ended. I mean, first of all, six months from now. You know, Dick Bremer might be at the ballpark doing something. He might right. be on the air yes. doing something. You know, all this stuff can change in a hurry. Just the fact that nobody's heard a lot from him in sure. the days after it is not a surprise. But right. my hope is that the way this ended and the emotions involved don't take away from how incredible it is to have a 40-year run like this right. and to establish yourself as all the things you just said, which is sort of the connection that a lot of Twins fans have had as the only connection right. in their lifetime. Right. He started the year I was born in. I'm old as hell. <laughs> and so he is the voice. And by the way, he's missed like 10 games in 40 years. Right. So like he is quite literally the play-by-play voice that people have only heard right. if they're the twins. And my hope is that whatever you thought of him and the job he's done and the connections he's made and the legacy that he had built, that it doesn't become diminished and if anything becomes even elevated – given the suddenness and the uh, less than ideal way that it ended. Yeah. We don't know that. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. Right. But that's kind of my hope for this thing is that like he he's already probably not thrilled with how it went and I know how all that's how important all that stuff is to him as an ambassador of the Twins and everything and I hope that he will actually fulfill that special assistant role and do some of the things that he was so good at being the MC of things and all that. And so that he can still keep alive that connection for his sake, but also for a fan's sake. Cause I mean, there is no way to slice it other than 40 years as the lead announcer for a major league baseball team is absolutely incredible. There's been no controversies. There's been no long absences. There's been no, Oh, what happened to Bramer? He's really lost his fast. I mean, it's remarkable to do 40 years of that, no matter how it ended. And I think that's what I keep coming back to a little bit, but, um, all right. Well, there's our little Dick Bramer uh, discussion. Again, we talked a lot more about on the, uh, on the Patreon side. You uh, probably started to get day. the sense that I think you should sign up for the Patreon. <laughs> um, uh, we will be back with another free episode. We probably should have started the, the pod with this. We're like, in two weeks. Because uh, yes. I'm going away. I'm going abroad. We're, we're having John committed. <laughs> That's right. Uh, sometime next week, I think we will do a mailbag on the Patreon. So if you are if depending you on the Wi-Fi week, connection from Sweden. <laughs> exactly right. From Stockholm. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you might want to check out Patreon next week. I would suggest signing up for it beforehand because that way you can actually uh, submit questions to our yes. mailbag. We Anything that fell through the cracks here or any <laughs> right. follow-up yes. questions that you have on the wide variety right. of topics that we've hit here, send in a question. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a decent chance Other, we Otherwise, the, t- prob- the chance for the next free episode is probably the day before Thanksgiving. 
the Wednesday morning is when okay. we are uh, planning for that. To, yeah, planning for that to drop. Uh, by then, we may have some more free agent news. We might have some more payroll news. We might have. We will definitely have uh, non-tender news on uh, Kyle Farmer, one way or the yeah. other. Either he will be I may have been arbitration been or murdered, not. sort of suspiciously from my <laughs> payroll-related comments. That's by right. then, that's right. Who knows? Case might already be a closed case. It might be or an open case. That's right. Maybe John's under open suspicion. Casket. It does provide a well, yeah. It does provide a very ample opportunity for you to finally kill me and have it blamed on you know these comments on the payroll. Oh, I could and I could say I was in Stockholm. That's right, as, far as you know. Yeah, this is a photoshopped picture of you at some bar in Stockholm. No, here's the thing about you: uh, you couldn't stay out of public sight here. here. For more than like an hour and a half. That's probably true. I could do it. That's probably true. I could say I was, but nobody yeah. would believe yeah, I was I in Stockholm. I could absolutely get a bar full of people thanking you for uh, buying them drinks in Stockholm. Right. Even if I wasn't there. But it's the but, going two yeah, weeks yeah. without someone seeing exactly. you at uh, exactly. whatever, yeah. O'Donovan's That's or whatever. Right, yeah. Or whatever brewery. Finnegan's. Finnegan's. Sorry, yeah. Wrong Irish. But O'Donovan's works whatever. too. All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Cleveland. <laughs>